Hey, what's up? This is Greg from Take Offense. We just had a record come out on Pure Noise Records called Keep an Eye Out. If you haven't listened to it yet, what please do. What is wrong with you if you haven't listened to it yet? Yeah, dude. But don't stare at the eyeball too hard or you'll end up like Joe from the Stone Age who uh, stopped jumping on the grenade. And, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if kids... That follow pure noise, even if know what Stone Age is, which is which is sad. A, a straight straight to a VHS 1994 movie, the greatest movie of all time. No, are you aware? Daniel? Well, it's it's like if you, you watch the Stone Age and then Kung Fu Hustle came out, and <laughs> and while you're roasting a marshmallow and <laughs> listening to the second E Town record, that's perfect. Um, no, no, no get real, that. Everyone get that. Take offense. Support. Your scene, support your Greg. Yeah, support yes. your Greg. Just just support Greg's in general because yeah. you don't really run into that. Many Shout out Greg's. to Greg's in England. Do you know how long? Roll? Do you know how long it takes to write a good solo? No, you don't. So give Greg your money. Yeah, give Pure Noise your money, and some will filter to Greg eventually. No, if uh, if you are a fan of Take Offense, I think you will really like this record because it's definitely the band. Pushing it as much as we can musically, creatively, and still trying to still not losing our identity in it and 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 all of it. So I'm very proud of it. It's took a couple years in the making, and yeah, it would be uh, it'd be great if you could listen. Tell a friend or two. Yeah, support li- a Greg. Support your Greg. Support Greg. Yeah, and, and Greg's. It, if you want to support this podcast, please like, rate, or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, please consider going to patreon.com slash 185 miles south. Become a Patreon. You can donate $1 a month, $3 a month, or whatever you can. You can also go to paypal.me slash 185 miles south and do a one-time donation. Um, we're trying our best to put up a little few things for Patreons. Um, some stuff, if we feel like we talk about it and it's too sensitive for the masses, put it on for those grown folk that throw down at least a dollar a month. They get that bonus content. Also, that, if you see Zach at a show, or even if you just see him out on the street, give him a dollar or two. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dude, just put it inside his yeah. shirt. Don't, don't rub it in. You know, this begging shit really fucking bothers me. <laughs> no. Yeah, it really just, fucking bothers I want, me. I want I to hear it. a good story. Coming up and giving you thirty five cents. You can cut out the the Patreon middleman by just giving <laughs> Zach a dollar or three dollars directly because Patreon has to take what a percentage of that. Yeah, dollar. yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. Yeah, but whatever. Like, it's look, man. This <laughs> there's fixed costs. There's fucking variable costs. You know, when I there's travel, a soundboard around, that has this on it. Yeah, that, that wasn't we, that, that wasn't we, cheap either. That Zach had to pay for, so you know, and all those royalties we got to send out to the RTL. Yeah. So, anyway, <laughs> if you if you don't know, this is going to be another one of those episodes where we go through the the greatest records, and I'm generally right, and Daniel's generally also right, and so is Greg. So. <laughs> no, he's trying to he's trying to fucking shade me before 400 Miles North comes out and just takes over the podcast game. It makes everyone stop stage diving. I think you need to get a, a horse sound clip, so then as soon as you hit the Rick to Life one, you can just hit like a... <laughs> That's good. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, 
Let's fucking do this, dude. Hundred eighty five miles south, a hardcore punk rock podcast. All right, uh, we are back with <laughs> you. Get it? Yeah, did you test it? You, I feel like your, your body's high. Yep, my, don't ever say that to me. My body is never high. Praise be, John. <laughs> nah, just. Our, our lips are closer to the mic than yours. There. <clears throat> you still, you still kind of on. You hear it anytime you talk, kind of opens up. Oh, because it's slowing down. I don't know if it's do the fan. Any, do you have anything else going? What else could possibly be going? Well, oh, is that fan? I think you got Maybe we can turn on that. this fan and have that one be off. <laughs> yeah. All right. Max room, Max Woodco break room with the cat piss scent everywhere. <laughs> you miss sweat your balls off of that room. Huh? Now we're just in uh, Zach Nelson's wonderfully furnished apartment. Yeah, dude. The I'm, ceiling fan is fine. I think so too, huh? And and, for, and if you have a complaint about the ceiling fan being too loud, then you can have a Patreon's only <laughs> ceiling fan dubbed out special. Yeah, or, or more Patreons <laughs> than I can afford air conditioning. And for for a, <laughs> for a smoker, I I can't smell anything in here. You um, smoke? Only only fucking crack. <laughs> um. Well, judging by some I of got, your picks for this pod, I may <laughs> think that's the truth. Whoa! I got a weed spot over here. I got a weed <laughs> spot over there. I'm surrounded by the weed spots, bro. <laughs> um. So this is another podcast where we're going through the greatest records of a decade. And uh, this one we're doing the noughties. Yep, the 2000s to 2009. Yep, 2000, 2009. And we're all over the place on this one because music's breaking wide open, huh? Like in the 90s, everything is is very well, different. Ni- yeah. And you're kind of riding for something. And in the 2000s, kind of everyone's starting to like a little bit more of everything. I think the 90s, you have your... You know, like I said before, like your enclaves, you know, mm-hmm. this is the thing that I'm the most psyched about, but I'm going to go see these bands anyway, because mm-hmm. we have a scene we have to maintain. Whereas in the 2000s, there's now a bit of blowback to the 90s where it's like, well, I remember when hardcore was like this, and yeah. you know, post like 97, and then you start seeing, you know, bands honing a sound before they've even like figured out their sound. Do you know what I mean? We want to sound like this. Well, it got a lot less political for sure. Yeah. Um, and the I, internet, the internet changes everything. just absolutely changes this whole well, thing. It's like Greg said on a former pod, if I want to sound like side B of the breakdown demo, like I have the resources to figure out exactly how to do that. But that's exactly. also later 2000s, right? Like, yes. like I, uh, I'm notoriously late on things. Like I, I'm like the last guy to get a smartphone and shit. I got high speed internet in '06, so I did half this decade without high speed internet. Yeah, and I, I would say to your comment about, you know, I want to sound like the B side to whatever, you know, yeah. New York hardcore demo that no one would have been able to get unless you were a New York hardcore dude in the '90s or '80s for that matter. I would say maybe. 
2006-2007 especially 2008 when uh just the the blogosphere like media fire file sharing thing went up it was just you just googled literally whatever you wanted and mm-hmm. you you had a media fire link to it so that is that just opened it all up for if you if you were a younger kid you're like oh, i don't need to rely on you know the older heads in my scene or my older brother or this one guy at a record store like I can just I can just get it all. So that is generally why things are so wacky right now. Yeah, and that that came after like the Napsters and the Soul Seeks, right? Like the blog oh, shit. Yeah. Doubt. And you the could, nice and the nice thing about the blog thing, what I was gonna say with that, Greg, is not having to rely on like older heads and stuff to like explain things to you. A lot of those blogs, like they would kind of give you a paragraph about the record too. Yeah, they would write cool descriptions. I'm trying to remember. You could like go zero to like, or go from poser to fucking scene veteran in like exactly. a weekend. I remember well, this guy. Oh, sorry, this guy. Uh, I think he was called Stuck in the Past. I think he it? still does it. That yeah. one. That one was awesome. He was cool because he would actually uh, kind of remix some of those. Mm-hmm. And not when I say remix, just kind of maybe EQ it a little better so it wasn't as rough sounding. Mm-hmm. But then he would actually put really cool descriptions. Uh, I was, I was yeah, there was a guy. guy. Yeah, that, it was either that guy or I think there was a guy that did like blogged and quartered. Yeah, and he would make one. like insane discographies of bands. Like he did like the whole Life's Halt catalog, and like, but he would write about it. Like he was a music fan. These yeah. people are like the the apex of music fans that are like, like I don't know, they're organizing organizing their MP3 files. Like that's a level of bond, uh, beyond alphabetizing your record collection. Yes, these were much more like tiny tiny little corners of the internet and then you had the bigger things like double cross and a few other things that would you know the you'd heard the main records from these bands and they were talking but then you'd hear this you know they would link like hard to get tracks or things like that yeah whereas um we're talking about this now like yeah greg's era like thrived on this and my geriatric era is like how do i figure out how to find this blog like for real yeah like, <laughs> like it's like really hard to like fill out a captcha well my, my friend ah, oh, what do i put in <laughs> dude oh. my friend just, find all the cars <laughs> i found all the cars to i gotta do sure it again how to make sure you're not a fucking robot man <laughs> yeah dude my friend jeff jock is good at the internet right mm-hmm. But every time I ask good at many him, things, how yeah, good? Good, at, good at a lot of things. But every time I ask, good at being shitty to me. Anytime I ask him a question of, "Hey, where could I get this?" He's like, Google, He just responds, "Google dot com." You mm. know, he's like, "Duh, you should know this." But fuck, I, you know, <laughs> you need to be shown yeah. sometimes. Old you know? habits, man. Yeah. So I'd rather look for the re- you know a bootleg record or something. You yeah. know, or it just. I don't know. <laughs> I just, um, yeah, some things pass me by. That's why, like, some of the later things that maybe I just haven't paid attention to enough. You know? Well, it's even hard to know sometimes, like, I I turned 40 in January, and, like, a band will play town, and I won't even know about it. It's like, I'm on Instagram, you know? Like, people have my phone number. Like, how do I not find out about, like, a band playing the Shea? You yeah. know, like, I, and I go, and I, I uh, actively record shop. So I'm not seeing a flyer at the at the ripe age of 31 right now. That is now starting to happen to me. Yeah, you know, it's crazy. Yeah, you're just you're just not 
It's also because you're not, you're not at the Che every night. Yeah, you're where just, you used to be. Or that's, I that's, used to that's be. That's true. That's you're true. not just, you're really just not tied in because really just other shit is going down in your life. You know, you yeah. have other things you got to do, which it's funny because 19, uh, no, I mean like 17, 16 year old me is. Like fuck you, man! Yeah, like, stabbing you? yourself in the back. What? I don't. I don't know if I don't know if you would have been though, because you you always want people to participate who's like heart is in the right place. No, without you know? a doubt. But, like like but, you know like you know you're at shows like even when you're 20 and you're like all the way yeah. into it and an old but and that's older guy shows up. You think that you're gonna be different? I remember saying at the last over yeah. that buddy show, you will see us at every show going forward. It's just not reality. Yeah, but you I still just, you just ghosted everybody, huh? Didn't you? <laughs> I think it was all. <laughs> I, I mean, I still go to shows. So we all do. We Daniel, all do. Daniel left the scene on red. Dan, Daniel goes to see Judge and doesn't get sweaty. <laughs> True. So, anyway, let's jump into the Hall of Fame, huh? Yeah, this is uh, the Hall of Fame for the 2000s. And what we're talking about Hall of Fame here, there are two tiers kind of what we think when we think of Hall of Fame. There are records that are undoubtedly like game changers slash, um, you know, that they basically have to be recognized. Mm -hmm. And then there are also things in the, in this Hall of Fame where if all three of us would have had it on our list, it gets Hall of Famed doesn't mean that it's necessarily a game changer. Yeah, well, I would say that three of the four of these are game changers. The 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 third out of the four is the one I'm saying is not necessarily a game changer. Yeah, so we can talk about the, the first, um, and that is Madball, Hold It Down. I think it's time we take the stand, show them what we made. You can't stop this, this thing on Came out in the year 2000. Um, not a game changer because Map already changed the fucking game, right? And this is their uh, fourth LP and possibly their greatest LP. Yeah. And it's amazing to do a record this good as your fourth LP. And I hate to say it, but the third LP, I think, slipped a little bit. You know, the first two are like insane. The third one... They're just trying to like. There's no question that it slipped, and there's no question that this LP came out of nowhere to whoa. Have you heard the new Madball? Like, yeah, it's insane. Like, well, yeah. and it's on Epitaph, but, but, but look, and you're like, but, what? <laughs> but look, my way still has like, you know, coming off the first two, I got look my way. I was not disappointed. No, like the title track's insane. Like the third track on it, they like dip in a little of that heapery mosh. Like they're going somewhere with that record. It's just not as good as the first two. And then this one comes out, and it's like, holy fuck. If I didn't have so much sentimental value to the first two, this is probably the best Madball record. Well, for that, for, for Look My Way, I mean, it's kind of hard to just knock that third one out of the park when you fucking do set it off and demonstrate my style for one and two. I mean... But how do you do number four? How do you bounce back? But and it's you, like, you, you, know, you reassess. I think you learn from number exactly. three. And you I go, know, but that's usually yeah. when it goes all wrong. Is like you try to branch out a little bit on the third one, and you're like, "Oh, let's fully autocorrect and go back to a formula," and then it just sounds stale and lame. 
and they came back with like the most like urgent record they did. Well, yeah. I, I think one one factor is Matt Henderson writing with Epitaph quality studio. You know, like knowing okay, let me f- form these songs. Two, it I know it, it it weirdly like largely says this on the back of the record, but executive producer by Roger. You know, Roger probably has that ability to go. Here's what kind of doesn't work with Look My Way. Here's what we need to hone and like work on this harder. Let's, you know, and was just probably taskmastering, pushing them. It's also Henderson's last hurrah. Yeah. And he produces too. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe, maybe he went into it. I don't personally know the story, but maybe he knew he was his time was ending with that. And maybe he was like, okay, I'm going to like swan song this one. Well, and also, I, I don't know shit. But I'm I'm guessing maybe him and Hoya like co-write a lot of stuff and and maybe Henderson didn't do a lot of maybe who knows what he did on Look My Way and if because he was actually I think he might have been out of the band before this record happened but he was still like writing right it's kind of like Todd was out of terror but he wrote the second record still yeah I I think that is the case with this so and it, he produced this yeah and it might also be like he knowing I don't know. He might have had a little more YOLO going on. Yeah. If he's like, my last hurrah, like, I'm just, also, YOLO, the, I'm going for it. There's a massive factor we're not really attributing to why this is the best. Freddie, like, is in absolute domination of how the vocals should be. Like, Oh, his vocals oh, yeah. are perfect. Yeah. Yeah. The, the yeah, bounce, yeah. the swagger, the, the to go hard and then ease off for this line and then to come back like uh, no like, i think this is when they get exactly like peak form yeah like it's is, been building up like set it off is super like him just being young rock going he's doing a it. voice like we said right? yeah and then demonstrating my style you're starting to hear it look and then this is when it just gets like like it's a finely tuned instrument it's now. perfect like he knows them. how to just completely work it finely tuned instrument and also the ability you can hear in the vocal delivery the ability to hold a big stage at a venue like as a frontman the confidence and stuff that that is going into the vocals is is a you know an unheard factor but it is in there you know yeah i mean there's maybe full swagger not only in the vocals but also in the songwriting yeah, you know, it's just there. It's it's an amazing record. So that would be the one that uh, we don't consider a game changer, but is definitely Hall of Fame because. And we're all like, <clears throat> how can you not have I'm it? I'm talking about it right <laughs> yeah, now. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's amazing, and uh, and it is now the. If you don't have any Madball records today, and you're trying to buy them, I think it might be the hardest to get. On vinyl, especially. Yeah, because yeah. everything else has been repressed, and that one never got repressed. So. And. Uh, if I just had to sum it up, just remember you don't need baggy jeans or a hardcore shirt. <laughs> is that is that the skit? That's like one of the like little opening clips. If, I, just, I just always love that one. You know, it's like you don't need baggy jeans or a hardcore shirt. Yeah, I, I mean that would be the the one knock of the record would be like that skit in the middle is silly. Well, that's the the song that's just fuck yeah yeah the, like well the when they're making fun of like the kid in the house or the basement or whatever yeah but yeah that that song that comes after the fuck you it's the, the, it's the best mad ball song oh, there Jesus. is i think like, yeah i i i don't know i could we, we one day we'll have to talk about that we do, do a whole podcast on mad yeah, ball songs. top it's 10 the, mad ball songs. it's the pace yeah the, and the 
bounce and the just the. I, I mean, that's that's that song is just full fucking swagger. Yeah, it's hardcore at its apex peak of like. One of the things that I always didn't like about hardcore that I love about hip hop is like hip hop. The guys that are good at it can say they're good at it, right? And like hardcore, you don't have that swagger because everything's like. Well, it's it's a beautiful f- thing. You're, what's you're, number five on your list? Look, you're, <laughs> you're you're circling back to like, you know, like oh well, I'm only here because this guy helped me out, and like this, my influence is this and that, and like, there's none of that. Like, dude, I'm the fucking best. Like, I am the shit at this, and like, I feel like that Madball song. You feel it just in the music. Like, dude, listen to this fucking. We're just jamming with drums and bass and like a ring out. And we're better than everything on the fucking planet. Well, no, that's what you said, swagger. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's like when that song comes on, your hat can be pointing straight to the front, <laughs> but it starts veering like eight degrees to yeah, the just, last. Just the a minute little, that just song a little starts. Bit off. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, Daniel, you you reference this Hall of Famer a lot, especially in the '90s pod, and that is the first Terror record, lowest of the low, two thousand three. Yeah, um, so it's a re-record of of everything that had come earlier as well as one new song that is just a face melter. Yeah, so it's a bunch of, it's like the demo plus like a, some seven-inch seven tracks, inch. and then they go in, there's a few new songs, I think, right? There's Lois of the Low and a couple other. I, I really thought it was all, you'd heard everything before except for Lois of the Low, but I, I may be wrong, I'm... Uh, that's my always always been my opinion was just that lowest of the low was the brand new song. Okay, but you, you could be right. I mean, you, you spoke to Todd recently, um, but this is the blueprint for the next fifteen years of of hardcore. Like, I mean, through today of straightforward hardcore, right? Yeah, well, heavy, heavy, um, basically for the mosh part and the breakdown to be arguably the most important like it's the hook of the song <laughs> I, w- you know? I would call it the satisfaction yeah of 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 the o's yeah sure. it's it's but it's hatebreed meets revelation yeah it's like hatebreed plus more of like the youth crew ish yeah and especially on this record i gotta give it to him and just nick's fucking drumming on this record is just so fast and, it, it, and I think that's what gives it just this little more crazier sound than like if this record would have been recorded in Connecticut or like the East Coast or the Midwest, just, you know, Nick having that like SoCal fast yeah. approach to the drumming. Like when you hear him, like, like we, I always say the 16th on the hi-hat, mm-hmm. like that, it's just ripping. So well, it was coming right after American Nightmare yeah. where Carry On was like kind of yeah. neck and neck with them you know, speed-wise, right? It's exactly that. It's exactly the fact that Nick comes out of Carry On and, you know, there's those Todd-style breaks, like, and then it goes to another, you know, into a different riff. That's what makes it the Rev 
reference, you know, like the youth crew, but on, on it's a very, <clears throat> it's like ADD. Yeah. Youth crew on like a hundred mile an hour though. Yeah. As well as like, he, and then, he, but then when the breakdown comes, they, they, they don't uh, hide that. It's going to come around the corner. There's a build yeah. to, to every single one of them. And, they're perfect. And uh, yeah. I got to quote uh, Rick Benavides here, uh, singer down again. Uh, I remember he he said this to me. He was like, it it showed like punk kids that they could like heavy, like heavy, more mosh orientated stuff because that was probably still a real clear, clear divide where you were like, ah, oh, no, I don't want to go, you know, get kicked in the face by some of these, like some of these dudes. And then it also shows dudes that are just like straight meatheads like that speed and aggression and like the fast yeah so i remember that really stuck stuck to me yeah well i would say that hate breed what what i was glorifying about them before was that they get in and get out right it's like a race to the mosh right which is amazing for them and what you have with terror is you have the closest thing to that but todd feels comfort in the speed so for him, like where he breed, their their like their safe place is dun 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 dun. dun. They're waiting to get to that. Todd can write insane breakdowns, but his safe place is when I'm you when you're riffing and going fast. So the bands, even though they're maybe the closest two bands, like or the let's say these two albums are the closest to each other. Because of the game-changing factor as well. Yes, but I would say that the Terror leans on the speed and Hatebreed leans on the breakdown. And the thing that makes the Terror so and that's what effective makes it- on the speed, though, is the fact that Vola goes, oh, like, across it, you know what I mean? Like, just long, like, deep, heavy screams that carry that fast, that take it away from it being... It's true. It's a different... That's that's right. Because he's, he's really bringing that hate breed school to the fast use group. Yes. So it's a different attack on like fast music instead of like seeing a little more fast and rhythmically Vogel has like, I mean, he has one of the greatest voices in the history of hardcore. Yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. And, I mean, because just the lowest of the low, you know, it starts so youth crewy, mm-hmm. but, and, it, and a bit integrity is, mm-hmm. you know, like fast and tech. Well, it's but like the, it, the, the tremolo picking, just like, yeah. and yeah. that's where you back to Todd. You know? Yeah. But the fact that Vogel screams over the yeah, entire oh, first 30 so, seconds of so it sweet. makes it like, this is fucking crazy. Like, yeah. I'm going to kill someone. And even uh, <laughs> like yeah. uh, an example of that, like for the breakdown of Don't Need Your Help. Are we like, getting a little. Someone's mic being weird. No. Check, 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 check. Okay, so sorry. The don't need your yeah on the on don't need your help. Mm-hmm. You know, with the breakdown of that, and if you slowed that just a little bit down, you would just be in a mad ball type group. But then you, Todd's just gives it speeds up a little bit, and then you just get this. Yes, I don't know. Like you just you just feel like your heart is just fucking. Yeah, I don't know. It hits all the fucking bases. It's a beautiful record. I mean, it's like it is. I mean, like Daniel says, there's kind of, I think that, I think the Hate Breed record changed hardcore because there wasn't breakdowns in every song before it. But this song, this album is like, it literally is like the start of modern hardcore. Yeah. You know? And it still felt today. Another, yeah. another and everything, tech. everything has to get compared against it, before, no. in, including their albums, right? 
that's hard, that's hard that all their yeah. albums get compared to this. Another testament to this record is I don't name him, but he's more of like a punk dude, and he really only knew Terror from like we're talking later era Terror, so he was just like totally not about it, mm-hmm. which I could understand. And he he did he did not hear lowest of the low, so we played it for him, and he was just like. Holy shit! I didn't know they could play this fucking fast. Yeah, you know. And then he immediately hit like, "What happened?" <laughs> yeah. Well, some of their later stuff goes really hard. And oh fast, no! So. And I'll, I will be discussing one in, in my picks. Like, absolutely. Just yeah. the, the song "Push It Away." Like, you know. So they've got all these sounds that we're talking about, but then "Push It Away" is like got the ring out and the bounce, and you yeah, he's got the, the mid tempo bang, the mid tempo banger yeah. with like the hard breakdown on the end. Yeah, perfect, catchy. To be so hard and so catchy, good luck. Well, yeah. sorry, no I one mean, can do that. Dude, the fucking, once again, I always say this, the production on this one is just... Well... They went to Mars. They went yeah. to Mars, and we yeah. can talk about why on the on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> no, but they're going to get that Mars sound. Yeah. Right? Because of certain records that were recorded at Mars. They sounded perfect. And how good is the human human furnace? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would just like to chill with human furnace. <laughs> You know, that's enough for me, even if he doesn't sing on the record. True. Um, all right, so moving on to the next one. Um, Daniel, you should probably talk about this one the most, because I think it hit you the most out of the three of us. Um, American Nightmare background music. Yeah, and I I can say that um, when they hit, like they were, I mean, it was like nothing. Again, total game changer before and after, right? But I didn't really, and I saw them a lot, and we, yeah, because, yeah and, and looking back on it, we played with them a lot. So, I mean, they were always awesome, but I didn't, it didn't connect with me. Like I, the demo didn't connect, the the seven inches did not connect, and then the demos. We <clears throat> this is a band that where. You hear the demo and you're like, "Oh, people are flipping out about this band, really?" And then you hear, but they probably the heard the demo and saw them live, right? They were probably never shitty live because they were all veterans. Because even like, but they weren't. But like, they were. Was it, was roadie, was like, it was like know, the t- yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was the roadie that went on tour with Tenor Fight and Mosh for every single song. Yeah. So like, he was an active participant. Oh no, no. I'm I'm just saying like, for what this person, the singer West, yeah. brings to the game. As your first band, this is like an immense contribution that had never been done. Right. So just you know, my own personal Or take. not never been done. It had been done in other genres. It had never been brought to like the blistering, you know, pace that this band has. It got done by a white nationalist named Morrissey. <laughs> Shut up. Um, so Wes is way cooler than that. <laughs> but, uh, I didn't fall in love with it actually until this record. And I love this record because his voice is like a fucking blender. Yeah. Like, and I always thought, like, in the late 90s, like a lot of those bands that played the style of music I liked, the, uh, like, the Youth Crew Revival, I thought the singing was so safe. Like, it was like not a gnarly voice. And, like, it's almost just like, Oh, the singer is like just the dude that got hired to be in the band, and his voice sounds kind of nice. Well, and I always what wondered, I always felt, felt, and that's a really good point. What I always felt about those 
youth crew revival bands is that they listened to the bands that came up around Y.O.T. and a few others, but never listened to the the bands that it's referencing more than anything because they weren't screaming. They were like, it's all right, man. You know, blah, blah, blah. And they... Uh, And you would think, too, is Ray Capo still has the most fucking ridiculous vocals. Yeah. Well, that's what I was always... So that's, that's kind of what I'm getting at here is like, during that time, I was like, will there ever be another time where there's a band as famous... As youth of today, they can get away with having a crazy singer. And here you go. Like, this voice is fucking offensive. But the the thing is, when you match this, like, absolute, I'm singing, every last vocal cord is exploding. The desperation that I'm singing with is met with the desperation in the lyrics. That's why it works. Exactly. It's because yeah. his voice sounding this shredded and insane, it's a fucking musical instrument. Yeah. See, what's that noise? Oh, I think that's my phone. Oh, word. Okay, cool. No, I was just making sure that it wasn't something else. No, but his voice being so shredded like that, it comes off as like a musical instrument. And uh, like the, I don't know, it just, it adds such like a texture to the music that is insane. And he doesn't sound like that on the seven inches. And I think that's why I don't like it as much. He does, but it's not as insane. But it doesn't have the songs. Developed this is straight as up much like a, as on the LP where... But this is the, straight up like a grindy-ass voice. This is like... No, it's more... It's, it's pretty fucking crazy, dude. It's crazy for something that got that popular to have someone's voice sound that fucking shredded. Yeah. Basically, these are... Before it's passe, you know, this, this singer, Wes, is taking all the inspiration he's had from... Bands like Unbroken and stuff within hardcore, but then all his vast, you know, half of these lyrics are, could have been, you know, written by Ian Curtis, you know, and that like suicide note style that has come through the lyrics and the desperation and the unhappiness and the depression, it gets aped a million times by a million bands that don't do it right. And they're only doing it to tap into this. This is always a fucking airplane. Yeah. (laughs) But this is authentic. Like, this is why it hits so hard with everyone. Because. What does it mean? Copied. I haven't even heard it before. No. Um, Not street enough, dude. (laughs) But (laughs) I think with this record, like, you should get a straw. (laughs) I know, that's whack, huh? Um, I feel like this record hit with so many people because the fact that within hardcore people can feel like they're part of the scene, but they're also left out. And I think these lyrics really, I mean, they're probably one of the most tattooed like lyric bands that have ever come out of hardcore. I would think. Well, I remember, um, what was that? Cause he, he'll just release, just some of his writings yeah. and it, they just go immediately. I'm trying to remember the, there's like a, a collection. Yeah. Just, and I think just yeah. like one. So I, like I personally, I never saw this band when they were at, you know, their peak. Um, I remember, you know, hearing about it later and, and I remember kind of, I remember liking it, but it not really clicking with me. I, I was first thing I was like, well, oh, these fucking vocals are crazy. 
but it just wasn't doing it for me because it also had that whole, like you said, that aesthetic of like suicide note type lettering, and I, that just appeals. Obviously, like it struck a nerve, and it's genuine, and that's why the band had like the impact that they did, especially you know, just run, like taking that fast youth crew sound and just. You know, just actually like just, just juicing just it, juicing taking it, it to know? the edge of a cliff. Like, yeah, literally, like we mean this. We're fucking prepared to die for yeah. it. Yeah. So you you hear it immediately. So I completely understand like the impact that the band had. Uh, never I, never really did it for. Well, that's why I know, can understand yeah. why it didn't work for you as much because you were coming around that being the time where all those other bands were copying and and doing it bad and it watered down what this was yeah i feel like yeah i mean this this would have been a bomb after you know especially for them to come out after like all the boston like youth crew things and then you just get hit with this so i i get why you know people were probably waiting for this they wanted something that could take like what they loved about all the hardcore they liked all the youth crew that they liked and just Really, and, and like you said, not give it that safe, not make it safe. Like make it, make it, make it an emotional place. You know, take take it, go a little, go deeper with it. So, well, and all the the artwork and everything really represented the same kind of feeling that the the music had. It was like a complete thought out package. You know, this is when Jake Benham was doing like the best layouts and stuff. Like, and are you I saying think- he's not anymore? <laughs> yeah maybe i guess i maybe i don't pay attention enough but i'm just saying like this pairs up really well with what it is no it's nice um when did you see them i never saw them oh, okay i never saw you made it seem like you didn't see them no, maybe you saw a comeback. no no that's what i meant uh to rephrase that no i never saw the, them at their peak i never mm. saw the reunions or anything at that so they were something yeah well i mean just the way that they approach doing straightforward hardcore shows, but having the the gate on the delay, like yeah, so they didn't out, have they didn't out. have to talk in between the songs. They had yeah. that like oh yeah, it was so fucking brilliant. So they were they, they were could tune. They well, were the they were the first yeah. to do oh yeah. That I mean makes at least it, the first like that yeah, I noticed in our world to yeah. dial that in yeah and, the, and yeah. it is so rad too because, because you know what you, are you, what are you going to say about the songs? You want them to speak for themselves. They yeah. almost anything you add, you know, it's like. Gives, It'll, it'll water it down a little bit. So, sure. so him just not ever talking. Oh, it gives it that whole mysterious... Well, it yeah. made them hit it, so much harder, too, because you didn't know when they were coming back into yeah. a song, and it would be like... And it came in bah, so tight. Bah, like, yeah. without... And it just It just wasn't lame, dude. Yeah. If I got, like, a little bit of lameness off it, I would tell you, you know? Like... Because it wasn't my thing. No, I. It's just it was undeniable. Yeah, there's, I'm not saying like anything against them. Just for some reason, it just never. They were the real yeah. deal. Well, that's why on I, this record. Just, I mean, yeah. If you just if you miss the time, it, it can never make sense, right? Yeah. Like many things. But know? yeah, like like we discussed on the seven inches, like the unbroken stuff doesn't yeah. hit you. But if you know, if the urgency is is the is 50% of why these things are amazing. Like, is Well, it's hardcore records, music. You know? Exactly. It's yeah. hardcore music. Like, a lot of it is is for live participation. You know, 
you're listening to this, you're listening to albums in a car with your friends, and you're like, I can't wait till I see them because I'm gonna stage dive to that part. I'm gonna mosh to that part. And if you take that piece of hardcore out, it's it's a little different. And then I think it goes a little bit further with bands like this, where you emotionally connect to something so much harder where you're like, you're like I'm going to cry to that part. Or I have cried to that part at home and I'm going to get it tattooed on my neck. You yeah, know? I'm going like, to jump off a speaker and maybe kill myself to that yeah, part. Yeah, for real. Like, or just, yeah. it's been a late night conversation with your friend where you're like, you've discuss that song and you've both come to the same place and you're like, yeah, you're going to bro him, hug that guy in the pit so much harder because you've had that cry together. Yeah. And I think that's another reason why so much of these types of like lyrics and bands that push this stuff just doesn't register with me. I'm not saying that I don't have those types of feelings. Everyone has those types of feelings, but I don't know why I just don't want to, hear it in hardcore well people like music for different reasons yeah and maybe i need my hardcore to just always be like this like more stronger like nah like this is what we fucking hate about society like i want it to be this superman thing and that's probably me projecting my own insecurities about like how i don't want to crack open crack open and be vulnerable because i can't i can do that but I don't know. People handle their emotions differently than I do, so I'm aware of that. So well, that's why when I see like an American Nightmare type situation, I'm like, yeah, I, he's speaking to a bunch of people. I just don't. But again, people yeah, just, just like they like music exactly. for different reasons. Like, so, so that's like we don't really like pop music. Daniel, no. you're into like you know a segment of pop music, like Britpop or whatever. But that's not like happy, right? Super happy. Like we're not no, listening yeah, to radio pop music, and and a lot of people are. So, like, a lot of people, they just want to turn on a song and make it feel happy. Yeah, but... Some people want to turn on a song and, like, feel depressed. And, like, dude, I'm not coming home from work and putting on Joy Division. You know what I mean? Like, well, I, I have... I have <laughs> no, but here's the thing. Like, I'm listening I, to it at work and then putting it on when I come home. I'm I have... Just, for me, it's a late-night drive. Like, that's when I like Joy Division. No, I have no problem listening to songs that deal with themes like that in different types of genres of music that I, I actually really like and that I can listen to like pieces of music or other other songs and like whatever category, whether it be, you know, like an old blues song, jazz song, uh, you know, R and B song about like heartbreak or love, like those things can like really register with me just so I'm not like it's not like I can't ever have those types of feelings. It's just for some reason when it comes to like You want your hardcore heart. Yeah, and but yeah. and I feel dumb saying that, but it, at the same time, I don't know. Like I said, it's like I needed to be this, you know, thing where, well, like, in order for me to like deal with my shit, you know, it's just like. But I think that's that's, that's what's great. Your terminate is like, I want hardcore to smash society, you know. So it's got yeah, more I of a, to, it's I want it to a, lift me up, you yeah. know, and then and then this is. This kind of hardcore is insular and going further in and hard on the yeah. sleeve and going deep to the other side of things where, you know, the aggression is almost coming inward. Like, yeah. I'm analyzing my thing. I'm ready to fucking... But yeah. they're the one that can do this. No, and yeah. and, and I agree that. And I think when, so you, when you brought up the point sure. where I'm, I'm coming musically in... musically, totally different. After yeah. this has been dropped, so I'm just seeing nothing but, like, to have hearts the ha- and whatnot. And, and all that shit yeah. is just 
fucking whiny to me. Well, like, it's, hard, it's hard. It's hard. It's also like, it's hard to look past fans. You know, like yeah. that's that's what you have to do. Like you have to appreciate the artist and not worry about how fans are. Yeah. But like you know, a bunch of people changing their look to look like Wes. Yeah, is lame. You know, it was and it, it was hard to look past that. Like. Oh, this whole well, thing that, is lame. That's why I think. But but it's too when, good. It's when undeniable. When In Control was playing with them a lot, I think there was you know because you and I, tight friends, as this was happening, and I felt because certain people were jocking them so hard that you were like, I'm not even gonna, not even gonna give it my hundred percent. Do you know what I mean? I think because that might you, be fair because you were like. I roll at these people being like this instead of let me actually see what the source is. You well, know we're I mean? a bunch of normal like beach dudes. Yeah, but do, right, you like, know, like, you know what I mean. Like, yeah, but you got it. The Oxnard, the, the Oxnard kids have like, there is no fashion. No, for sure, but right, but, like, there's no fashion. So, like, anytime that someone's like grabbing onto an aesthetic of like, you know, like you got to wear like nice jeans or you got to like spend time on your appearance. Like that's like, you're that's just be never su- been yeah, us. And you're going to be suspect of it too. Cause you're going to be like, Oh, you're just a fucking poser. Like, are you just, well, it's like, it's, it's like, what's, what's, what's how, where do you draw the line between that and, and Motley Crue dressing up for shout of the devil? Yeah. You without know, a doubt, like it's a, it's a me, slippery slope. Well, that's where just I've always come from. Cool. Just, I mean, like, you know, style has always mattered to me. Pre hardcore, pre punk. No, I know you guys know, talk I've, a lot about like the style of how people look on the records and stuff, and that 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 shit could, doesn't matter to me yeah. other than like the integrity jump on the back of yeah. fucking. <laughs> but 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 to me, that's always been you know I grew up in the north of England and just mm-hmm. like working class people, style was the escape from from what you were trapped in, and that's I've you know my first pocket money was all saved up to buy Adidas Run DMC. It's like. I've had, I don't look I don't know. I don't judge it I'm just saying like yeah. definitely no, me but, but definitely me at 20 and 21 that was not me yeah definitely you know? I know. now I look fucking fucking slick as fuck all the time <laughs> but anyway important record definitely Hall of Fame yeah um and we're finally like going in on these Hall of Fames like you always wanted huh we're finally yeah. getting that stretch the one night that Greg's got to get out early <laughs> no I'll, I will gladly, we'll take our time I will gladly go to not sleep to finish. All right. Yeah. The well, this, this is a good one. So the final entry to the 2000s Hall of Fame is is fucking undeniable for a game changer of the first tragedy record in 2000. Yeah. I mean, insane. Like the way that they tapped into the D beat style with like the, but using like the those darker, pedals to do the, the wild. Like, well, it's all the, they neurosis. do all the octave work. They're doing all the octave stuff, and it's like melodic, but it's dark melodic. But it's like not technical, but it is technical. And it's like they're not doing anything metal related. It's like they're doing all the radish shit of punk and metal, but always leaning punk. What? Why? Why do you think this crossed over to? So many different other types of people because of the the melody. Just all, yeah. They tapped into the melody, and it's like it's just undeniable. It's fucking epic, but it's like it's like the Where's most the dirtiest sounding melody. Well, that's the ever. thing is like that's to, why it's perfect to make songs that epic sounding without like 
having a touch of metal is insane. I mean, it's it's just it's another game changer. Well, isn't members of tragedy or mem- a member of tragedy and criminal damage? Yes. Yeah. After. Yeah. The dr- I think one of the do the drummer of tragedy is like the singer guitarist of criminal damage. Because I I I see the. The ability to do melody dirty in a different way there. Oh yeah. Do you know what I mean? So it, I I see them like catchiness is good, but we're gonna run it through this fucking. We're run it through that fucking Portland blender. Yeah, we're gonna yeah. we're gonna put dreads on this melody. Yeah. Whether you like it or not. Yeah, I mean the criminal damage stuff is amazing too, but it's just another stab at street punk only music. It's right? just blitz. And it's great. It's blitz done by tragedy essentially. It's great. You know. Yeah. A less catchy blitz. Yeah. Just. <laughs> <laughs> a little under. It's amazing. But yeah, this tragedy record, again, you have all the clones coming out right after it, which is you got to look past all that shit and just appreciate tragedy for being tragedy. And I actually like the second record even more. I like Vengeance. Vengeance, yeah. Yeah. I think it's even better. But, but we got to say the, the ground zero is where the, the, cha- the yes. change comes. Yeah, of course. Because, you know, Members of uh, his heroes gone, right. and uh, the not as great death threat. <laughs> That's right, the one word death threat. Yeah, um, and there's there's a million people. Well, not a million. <laughs> We've got to get a million listeners before I say that. But a million. You want to <laughs> know what I'm scratching for first? <laughs> there are about twenty five people screaming at their uh, earphones or or whatever right now because I said the not so good death threat. Oh come on. <laughs> I think that people will be happy that we have this on here. Oh, I because actually, it has I actually to get mentioned. bummed out. Um, oh, who was it? I, Don? Yeah, no, he gets bummed I, a lot. I played... Uh, Chad Strout gets mad at me every time I say the other Death Threat's the best one. There was a, a band... Shout out, Chad. I, I, pray, I played in briefly. It was called Pathetic Society. And I remember we played a, a gig. And that was just very, very just, you know, super aggressive, early 80s, hardcore. Just, you know, just really loud Get the fuck away from me. Oh, God. None of that. So, and I remember we played, and, like, I I don't really know anything about the other death threat. That's why I always refer to him as the other Mm -hmm. death threat. (laughs) And so, um, oh, I think it was, like, some dude in Primal Primal Right or whatever. But we hope... We play. We opened at that show at the Shea, and like they, they really lo- like really liked us. And he was he was talking to me. He's a really super nice guy. And I remember he was like, "Oh yeah, like it, like you guys have that like that that early death threat sound." And I was I was like, "Really? Don't want to get hit. Don't stand, stand in, in the, the front." <laughs> like, and I'm like, I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, I'm like. Damn, that's weird. Like, I don't think we sound like anything like yeah. with some Connecticut. No, there's no we piccolo snare. No, there's no, no piccolo snare. No, no, I was like, <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was like, I don't think we sound like any type of Connecticut hardcore shit. And he was just like, Oh no, no, not that death threat. <laughs> <laughs> people get offended. No, I was like, no, that's that's the fucking only death threat, bro. <laughs> I feel that people that like the Connecticut death threat are more open to the other one and than vice yeah. versa because those people that like the other death threat, the one word death threat. Do not like oh, the that's, Connecticut Death No, threat. but that's, dude, that's I that wish they whole, had a split together. They, well, they should have, so right? Sick. If 25 to Life and Spaz did, you know? Well, someone, someone should bootleg it. Just put a song from each, you know? <laughs> Just put, put it out yourself. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck it. Um, I'm not talking shit about that, that guy in promo. He's a really fucking cool dude. For sure. Shout out to that dude. Yeah. 
Oh, become a Patreon, bro. Anyway. Um, okay, anything we need to touch on from the last one? This is going to be less inflammatory because uh, apparently Fugazi didn't put out a record in the 2000s. <laughs> I think they did. Yeah, it's not on like my it. list. <laughs> but they're, they're punker than anyone on your list, dude. So it's all about the, the, the ethics, not the music, man. Well, I, I, um, <laughs> I have the, you know... A new order record? No, just kidding. I you I saw you you put you put I mean, one, you be, put one on your list to try to be controversial, but we're, we're not going to let it. We're just going to. It's di- not to try. It's just it's the one that we're going to no sell. We're going to no sell your record so we can get Greg home. Oh, we're going to get a no. Pop. I, I actually gonna like a big pop. No, I just like those. I liked those when they would come in because you would just hear the pause on the actual podcast of <laughs> so just like you and I just. I know. Well, I just I not to get back to it, but I just I don't understand that at all. <laughs> like friend, I just I feel like my the, friend texted me and said, "Hey, I'm listening to the pod right now, and I just got to embrace gate." Embrace. <laughs> <laughs> I just I, I I just I don't know how you call them hardcore bands when the whole purpose of the band is to not be a hardcore band. It's not though. It is though. It's not. It is though. And so this is where you all you disagree. of the UK, like all my UK hardcore friends, they all. Uh, Shout out to the to the WhatsApp group. Shout out Dead Man's Chest. <laughs> but they all were like, I fucking hate it when people don't say Embrace is a hardcore band. They're so. a great indie rock band. One of the best. <laughs> anyway, we're going off no, topic again. No, they should again. say, they should be like, no, Embrace is not a hardcore band. And they should just talk about how Knuckle Dust might possibly be one of the best UK <laughs> hardcore exports of all time. It's a, it's a, Rikers? They're German. They're German. Yeah. I was thinking UK. Or no, I was thinking East or Western Europe. <laughs> You're just thinking, well, what came out on uh, in that time from Europe? You know. Anyway, let's get to our lists. Start off, dude. You go first. Okay. Um, I am gonna start with the two best records of the 2000s, which is Retaliate Coup d'État and Retaliate We Are One. In 2006 and 2009. And the reason why I say it, and I'm sure if we got to the 2010s, Greg would say the same thing. I write music because I I love music. These are my favorite fucking records. I listen to my own band more than any other band. And we're the best fucking band. So that's all I got to say. I mean, the Facebook literally just says, is the best. Yeah, Retali is the best. And uh, we are. So what's up? You got a new record coming out either later this year or early next year. And uh, we'll be one of the rare hardcore bands that will have put out four perfect LPs. And uh, that's that. I'm trying to process <laughs> what I want to say about Retaliate. First of all, let's just talk about being not and take. I mean, this is no, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass here. Like, we're fucking criminally underrated. A complete Southern California gem. Absolutely. And I think definitely inspiring. Like, I don't think we're we're going to have downpressers or violations 
without, you know, the first Retaliate record and just kind of um, what I thought was so great about it was it was it was heavy, but it was still fun. And it's still like, I mean, you know, that night was great. Mosh to Retaliate. Like it was just like I didn't get the fuck. There's no fucking ego. There was no like. This tough guy. No egos. <laughs> he just said these are the two best hardcore records of all time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. no Our what, third record is the best. Yeah, when oh, I, it's, it's 2011. When I, yeah, so I just remember instantly, I mean, just how the songs are just put together and just, I mean, Coup d'etat is a fucking instant classic. Uh, yeah. But I definitely like, um, uh, Fuck! Fuck! Wasn't it? We are one. Yeah, we are. No, we are one. Especially God in Dogs of War. Yeah. When you're like, non-star testicle, casual ties. Well, that's one of the things I like to do in a band is make up words. That's another thing I love about hip hop is like you just make a word that fits. So non-statistical. That's not a word. I just put it in a song. It fucking works. Yeah. So well. I like. No, I wasn't. I wasn't making this segment for us to talk about it. I just. I was. I was going to say it and move on. No, I want to fucking talk about retaliate right now. Well, I like both these records except for the vocals. We can all fillet. We can all fillet each other in a triangle because we could all blow each other's bands. Take offenses all. 2010s, or you guys would be on my list. In fact, I think your first out of town show, I, I got you. You did with, with PC. Yes, PC Death Squad, yep. Retaliate. I want to say Vendetta was on. Possibly, it, maybe? and that was that was before the seven inch. It would have been yeah. p- post split, but before. Post, yeah, it was so when you're still like you were already good, but you hadn't like put out the documentation kind to of, show the world. Yeah. It was that was a really that was actually just a special show for me because I remember that was like uh, my brother, like his homie, let him use his van and mm. it was like, oh, I'll, dr- I'll drive your your uh, you know your gear up. You and I can go. This is my uh, my um, this is as emotional as I'm gonna get with hardcore right now, Daniel. <laughs> so no, but I remember it was kind of like one of the first things we kind of like did together, and mm. I remember just driving up to. Um, you know, to Ventura, and I was just super, really excited because I was like, "Holy shit, I'm I'm in a van! Like, there's gear in it! Like, I'm driving up! Like, and it's just a, a sweet drive. You're looking at yeah. just the Pacific Ocean. It's beautiful. Yeah. I was like, I'm with my brother. This is gonna be so fucking fun. The show was awesome, but just just that drive, it really just hammered it home for me. I was just like, dude, I need to do this. Well, the best part about it too is that you were going to a place where kids are gonna participate like yeah well it was a perfect town show wasn't gonna be in a a town that it was perfect because didn't know retali got lucky because we came right after in control in control was only popular for our final year so i was able to parlay that off a little bit um popular outside of like uh ventura county and san diego yeah but but even within your hometown, like in control, in the last year attracted all these newer, older heads. The last couple of years, yeah. we were able to like draw pretty good, and so we parlayed right off it. But what I was going to say about the take offense was, you guys had already like found your sound because you you found your sound on the Peace and Death seven inch. Yeah, you were no, already a good band by then. Yeah, we were definitely. I would say after. Yeah, no, because the Peace and Death 7-inch kind of comes right after we all finish 
Uh, no, I want to say H and Ruben were still seniors. Joe and I had just kind of graduated high school, so we were way more mature. <laughs> um, what What also, I think, helps the take offense sound like is the fact that you're doing the other band called Stare, so the stuff that you you want to almost separate the sounds a bit, right? Cold Stare came a couple years after that, though, right? No, Cold Stare actually... Um, That's around the same no, time as that 7-inch. Right. To, to, no, to briefly sum it up, Colts um, there, the first demo came out 2007 because, um, like, T.O., I would say, like, 2006 was definitely, like, our local breakout year where, mm. like, all we had, like, a good amount of kids coming out from, like, all different high schools at Chula Vista. And then right around, and then actually, you know, like, Down Again started. So uh, R- Ruben, who plays uh, rhythm guitar and Take Offense, and A.H., who sings and takes events, plays, you know, he all plays drums. So, actually, Down Again started, and that's uh, Ruben's older brother, Rick, right. sang on it. And so, they did a demo, and actually, uh, like, T.O. kind of went on a little, like, hiatus. Because, like... There were Rick, a lot of shared members. No, yeah, Rick was definitely, like, like, way more experienced, like, knew how to put together you know a band that for well, also to the fucking first that down again demo is just like a just a rager it's so good and so that was recorded with nick too no right? that no. was the uh, the nick put other cd the cd was oh, okay. recorded but they actually recorded the demo with this guy named uh agnes sal from some girls oh, yeah, so yeah. so and that band started actually like taking off more so like to kind of just went on this like back burner and it to me, at my like, you know, you know, I'm like young. I'm like, all oh, fucking age room don't care about take offense anymore. And I was like, well, we're not. I'm not doing anything. And it's like, well, I want to start a band. So, you know, so you and actually, you no, know, and honestly, yeah, and like actually, I remember watching that that in control documentary mm-hmm. that uh, have we done a Kyle Kyle Big Mosh Horn put that one up? No, I did. Okay, he helped me with the really? intro. Yeah, he okay. he just cut the tape on the very intro when like Do you have no, it's like it's on like Viddler, but like the quality is shit. Yeah. Well, you should I gotta, have I gotta, it available for Patreon members. We should, yeah. I should figure out how to yeah. digitize it. I because I have the DVD. The fight scene is so fucking awesome. But anyways, which which one? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's a I good remember, DVD. There's at least five. I remember. I remember. Wa- I remember watching it, and you were like, "Well, I wanted to start a band where I write everything." Yeah. And I was just like, "Well, I could fucking do that too." Yeah. And then I was already, you know, just I was like in high school, so all my fucking yeah. lyrics, like you just said, get the fuck away from me. Just cringe at all the shit now, but no just way. Definitely what I was like feeling, and then. So yeah, to Dude, do I'll, that, I'll, like, if you cringe was, at that, I'll play the impoached demo. <laughs> <laughs> no, so I remember, yeah. So just kind of like doing that demo, and then both bands kind of splitting. And then I remember like AH be like, "Hey, I want to like start this up again," or like not start it up again, but like hey, let's let's write some tunes together. And then by that time, I Great. think. I'll do an episode. Oh shit! With you. I'm sorry, man. This fucking. <laughs> I'll do an episode out. with you, dude. No, he's, it, responding, it, he's responding to my point that I thought that take offenses sound had been more dialed in because of yeah so it's bands. like i get it's like how we were talking about like uh the way that maybe why i like the killing time more than judge is cuz killing time has to put everything into the album where they were able to break out like porcel was able to break out all his different shit right i'm going to do my youth crew here i'm going to do yeah. my judge shit here i'm going to do my melodic shit here 
whatever, whatever. Yeah, that's kind of it. Anyway, so that goes back to the hardcore bravado of I can't even stick with it. I'm like, I put out the two best records, and then I'm like, let's talk about Greg for 10 minutes. <laughs> so, all right, moving on. But yeah, seriously, the two great records. Well, then let's just Buy keep it shit. rolling. Indecisionrecords.com. No, let's, let's, <clears throat> just, let's keep the circle jerk going. I'm going to put uh, A Control another year. God damn it, dude. Alice Can we talk it, about baby. that one? Like that? Fuck no. Oh, shit. No, uh, and blowing more. Now I'm just blowing smoke up your ass. Well, I cut you off last time, but this one you can fleet me. No, okay, so. I'll make make a cocktail. Yeah, make your cocktail, and if you want to break off a piece of that baguette, because I've been fucking eyeing that baby. (laughs) It was in here. In control another year. I still, I don't think, I don't think, I don't, I don't know, especially with this like internet, back to the whole internet age where you're able to just, um, yes. <laughs> yeah, put a big thing full right of paper of right in front. No, the, being the, you know, where you can absolutely hear whatever the hell you want and be able to just like, oh my God, listen to this demo, I'm going to hear this weird, obscure record that came out at this year or whatever, you name it. To me, when I the first time I heard this, I think this is the first in control record I hear. Of my friend Aaron, let me he had it, and I remember listening to it, and I was just tripping out because you were able to you fuck you just blend everything, like just so so much. You have I, I re, uh, how do I how do I sum this up? It's like you just gotta be a fan to like. To re- I think just a, just a fan of like punk and hardcore because you're able you just blend it all, and not once like even dare I say the more like emotion, the ones with the pinch more melodic like the, with the one tracks with more melody are it's still hard and like I get a sense of urgency from them but it's like you still manage to put in like all your influences like there's it's all fuck all bass is covered none of it sounds forced it's completely organic and. uh yeah, I just, I'm still definitely an influence on like how I write songs, just being able to blend all sorts of different parts. Yeah, we took a stab at everything and knocked nothing out of the park. I think you absolutely, <laughs> break off this it, baguette. Dude. Absolutely knocked it out of the park with it. The, the Cleveland all influence on okay. the, the mosh parts and the, the like intro y stuff is just unbelievable like not afraid to not afraid to really take it to a neanderthal level because it sounded so much fucking better when it did and then you've got to give ryan his due as well uh at this point he was starting to sing like so much better and then Mm. he adds to like the life goes on on," like with really getting raw and and yeah as the song progresses, like he really sells that song so excellently, but um, this may even be one of the best vocal parts I ever did, including my own bands. Like I know Daniel just, Daniel Sant guest spot. What up? <laughs> but and I think the only guy 
that we had to do guest vocals was Don. Just the band plus Don. Doing backup and me. Mm-hmm. I think I did backups. No, nah, you weren't there. No? Nah, I think you had to work. Because oh, because on the thanks list were like the the IC backup crew. Thanks, Don. Because I think <laughs> it was just the band plus him. Dude. Yeah. That's I'd, good, huh? It's super good. Yeah, you gotta the artwork if people too, aren't on though, like if people aren't on board with that Bon Me shit, you just gotta go to the Bon Me spot and at least get a baguette, dude. The um, So good. The artwork of the record kind of throws to a little bit of the you know, the Chromags like thing, like the drawings of different scenarios and second record. Oh, that's the second. Shit. Another Year's of Towers. So that's we're the right. we're the first guys to to incorporate the towers in with like Nard, like adding the imagery and now everyone uses it, including uh Anderson Pack. Yeah. So sick. <laughs> and the two towers that basically is just such a fucking rad boy song. Like you guys walked so Anderson could run. <laughs> <laughs> He's got more talent in his fucking pinky than us. But uh yeah. And shout out Cola Boy from Oxnard too. Have you heard that yet? No. There's this guy Cola Boy from Oxnard and he does like kind of modern disco, but it's fucking sick. Is that record right there behind you? Next to the mummies? Cool. It's so sick. I'll have to I'll send it to you. But I don't know. You shouldn't downplay this record. It is such a good LP. Um, it meant a lot to me, obviously. First LP I ever put out. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's a diverse record. If I could do anything, I would take off probably the little pop punk part on, like, before, like, the thrashy song. Like, we, there's, like, one pop punk oh, intro. I'll stick your neck out. Mm-hmm. I just think that I, I've, I went enough melodic on other pieces that I could have done without that. But, like, I was really... I don't know. It was a little bit of a backlash record to like all that later '90s stuff that I felt was so straightforward, but still wanting to like stay in that lane. But really, boundary push. But boundary push, like, what's up? I like all that weird '90s hard shit, and I like screeching weasel. Yeah, a no, lot. that's what I. And oi, you know the how you were able to fucking blend all this in, and it never sounds forced, and it just. It just works. It sounds natural. But when I say it's like you need to be a fan of like punk and hardcore to like this record. Like I really I really do. If you're just like, oh, I only listen to this one shit. I don't think this thing's going to hit you as hard. And I think it's just a a cover cover all bases. But it's because you're a fan, like a true fan. So and you weren't afraid to be like. Yeah, here's the screeching weasel part into like but some ro- but, mosh part, but rooted in straightforward music. Because yeah. I think that the the bands that like bend the boundaries more, like that get success, are like more talented. Like they're 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 able to do it because they can do it on a higher level. Where this is like we're boundary bending a tad, but it's still in a very straightforward lane. Well, I something that's you know apparent, obviously to me, is in control and over my dead body were kind of like brother bands yeah, around this time absolutely. and we would even though you never th- took us on tour what's up <laughs> we only, you, you only toured t- with bane and big bands we, we got, went with we american got, nightmare bane and we got taken on tour we never you never you parlayed know. it down though hey yeah man maybe and, if you paid attention to how you looked true you know well you did take us on well, tour. <laughs> bane never had an image so 
Bane did it without an image. <laughs> yeah, but Bane was Bane though. Yeah, but I brought the awesome. style to that tour. Yeah, I did bring I did bring a tour, but I was the fucking driver. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you did walk all over me yeah. when I was on But anyway, I was just saying like both our bands were actually not giving everybody what they wanted. Do you know what I mean? Like we do a poppy song, we do a harder song. Like we were we were happy to express here's a bunch of our influences and if we don't fit in every genre to you because there was a lot of snobbiness around the boston stuff and like everything has to sound just like this our bands were like fuck it we we like this but like in control gets it perfectly right on this record i feel i think that's just, that's also a california yeah california vibe as yeah. well of being able to be like now nah, we're gonna have this part in here it's definitely not gimmicky no so no no but both of us personally are very influenced by oi as well so yeah there's a you know a lot of that uk melody like coming to the fore as well and that's why i said it, it never sounds forced and i say you you it's you got to be a fan. Like you have to be a fan of all of this across the board to, yeah. to really be like, holy shit. Like how did he blend in? Like, how do I go from like, like again, like just Neanderthal, like ass beater part to like, now I'm like, I got my buddy. We're like yeah. just doing like yeah. an oil against the world. Yeah. Like it's, <laughs> and but, like not, and then, Oh, I'm going to say the, the solo in a, in a better way too. Yeah. Fucking, a little bit of a tearjerker, huh? This is good. But, yeah. But that's, well, that's the thing with this, like two towers with some... a beat. How about two towers is like the Oi song. Yeah. Absolutely. But that's, that's my American nightmare depression song, dude. Yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> taking a stab. Yeah, no, I mean, it came out but, before American nightmare, but it's done in that Oi way where you yeah, know, it's yeah, like yeah. you're, you're, you're just drowning your, Sorrows with, with booze. <laughs> hey, R.I.P. Robert Martinez. It's just sad. Seriously. So, anyway. Best dude. Yeah. Let's move on from in control. Um, so, I went, Greg went. It's your turn, Daniel. Well, okay. Um, kind of following on from. Thanks, thanks for the nice words. I know I push that off. I don't want this to be like people thinking that I'm, I'm setting it up for you guys to say nice things about me, but I do appreciate it. Damn, you're fucking <laughs> smart, dude. Take the just takes the baguette. And then out anyone of a who's chewing, we should take a picture pull. of the baguette right now so people know. Anyone who's chewing, take the mic away from the from the mic. I mean, the mouth away from the microphone because it's fucking gonna drive me crazy. I've I can been, only imagine. I've been but. doing my tays on day. Lean away. So that was nice. all me then. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I listen to other like I listen to Race Chaser, which is. Alaska and Willem from RuPaul's Drag Race doing a podcast, and they ate on one pod, and it drove me crazy. And then the next time they did a podcast, they said that the DMs were absolutely full of everyone saying, "I'm unsubscribing, fuck this." Well, I only listen to Tsunami, so uh, <laughs> you're a bitch. <laughs> you're they spell it wrong. It's so sick. <laughs> shout out Tsunami. Shout out Joseph. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> um. So That's such a on, small world, huh? Yeah. Oh, that guy actually uh, watches my dog. <laughs> following on from Madball, hold it down. Like the the obvious record that took that, mm-hmm. then got it produced by Matt Henderson is No Warning, Ill Blood. Oh, hey. Get 
take that formula and basically just do it a little bit a little bit more I won't say tongue in cheek I'll say do it without fronting like too hard <laughs> you know well, you front make it, a little you bit make it way you, front, more... you front it a little bit no dude. I'm saying you front a little bit but the thing that they add to it is like the it's no fun. one saying nothing it's, it's, it's like it's way it's more fun yeah and way more accessible as far as as far as what Madball would be, it well, sounds it sounds really good too. It's like the the start of people being able to like get good hardcore recordings, yeah, consistently. Well, this record sounds so fucking good. It's it's fucking perfect. I can't I wait to talk about the recording on one of your other it. ones though. No, <laughs> shout out to uh to jo- to Jordan, man. Is that you know, the fucking riffer? Yeah, I mean, this is obviously done by a group of people who are like, we really like that. Here's our version, yeah. and it is fucking perfect. Yeah. I, I mean, the seven inch is really good too. It never even got mentioned on our shows. It was in my oh, uh, it was. honorables. Okay, but the LP is better. Yeah, exactly, that's why it wasn't in the list. And the, the best LP. song is the last song in the LP of this. Yeah, no, it was the last song, right? Yeah, but I don't think it's the best song. Well, it's, well, song. it's funny because <laughs> when we talk about lowest of the low in the hall of fame and you made the mention it's like what's going to determine what hardcore sounds like for the next like 10 or 15 years um like i would say this one maybe maybe for like my my generation because it is this really kind of like I don't want to say formula because I don't want it to take away from like how good how good the record is, but it was definitely like uh like you can approach it this way and it became fucking mimicked to yeah. death. This is this maybe it is, got more mimicked because they broke up. I mean, they broke up not that long yeah. after the record came out, right? The reason, well, no, they did. They went that shitty route to try and. Uh, Suffer, survive. Oh, but that which, was like late, no? Well, now they like that was like post breakup. That like, was on Ch- Chad. What's his name's label, right? Oh. No, that, no. Uh, that's when they won on. They got to Warner Brothers, yeah. And that's when they and they had dudes from um, Lincoln Park like help. Oh, produce that's what it, it was. Lincoln Park. Uh, yeah, so it, it won. They want that route, and yeah, it's just, awful. You know, interesting. But enough, he didn't go there directly after this. I know it sequentially it did, but that was like years later. It wasn't like they followed this up two years later with that. I think it was a year later. Yeah, no way. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think Silver Survivors O three O four, right? Yeah, mm. oh. shows what I know. Well, because B nine was going to do the vinyl, but they they heard it and didn't press the vinyl. Wow! Wow! <laughs> well, they're probably they're probably like you know because now it's funny now like i guess my generation and younger generations now really ride for that one well that's what's so that's insane right because, because, because i know it's but it's still hipster to do that but no, it's still no not even hipster to do it it's just like kids that are in hardcore now are like like well i really like some 41 or like yeah. well i really like i liked all that stuff that's and, insane that they didn't do it though because just coming off this period because like would I don't know would you be bummed if your label like put out Chromax Alpha Omega, even if it's like not the main Chromax record, it's like you still get that piece of this the discography, and like Greg said, if people are liking it now, I mean Chris Wren's a smart ass dude with a lot of foresight. That's so weird that he would hear it and turn it down. I think. Well, well no, it it got test pressed. Mm. 
That's so late. So you paid for the fucking stampers and then turned it down? I don't know. I, I don't know the exact story. I do know that there were test presses, but the vinyl never came out. So that's all I know. Oh, well, there probably would have been the, the backlash against it, too. Like, yeah. Why did you put this shit out? I never heard it. You know. Yeah, but... But now Going Bridge back to Nine, this record, Bridge though, Nine would probably totally put out oh, a record shit. like this sounds that a yeah. band that sounds like this now. So, yeah. but going back to Ill Blood, the you know the artwork perfect, the the song sequencing pretty fucking perfect, especially LP wise. Like both sides start off with a bang, um, and I think his vocals are incredible. It's good. The whole record is good. There's like nothing to argue with. I just I don't think they had. This is a record where the term "yamashin" is so apropos. Like, like it describe you. You could describe that as the genre of this. Like, what does it sound like? Oh, yamashin. (laughs) You're like, okay, I get it. I just feel like they broke up so shortly after this. Maybe I have that memorized wrong. No, and they didn't. They they left. Did they come? Seen to well, go to, well, they, did they come play California? Else. I feel like they no. didn't play California until several. They did suffer survive, my... and then that record, you know, tanked for Warner Brothers standards, and then you know that's when the they played California on like Warped Tour type shit. Yeah, I saw him in pausing numbers in O two when he punched Chris Corey or whatever. Was I don't it know. that year? I, I feel know. like he was like pouring a forty on himself or something. It was yeah. like some silly shit. It was some like I'm it was like this is settling out. I, yeah, and that was one like thing about that was this so early, though. dude. It was like so that would have been two thousand two in the summertime, and this is two thousand two. Well, one thing this is, record. So he's like already pouring a forty on, dude. Yeah, I would not pour a forty on my head. Like, why would you want beer this on is, yourself? This is fucking wannabe controversy, like. There's, there's, I think that's why it never resonated with I've me. Never, I never, I've like, never this record was always like good as like, dudes, but I can. That's the power of this record is I can't deny how much I adore this record. Was probably, even though that they've done like probably a little too snotty, yeah. for you. Maybe no, I just yet. remember it like it coming out. I remember the seven inch coming out and that first song being like so fucking sick when it went to the palm muting. It was like, oh my god, that's insane! And then the LP comes out and it's like even better. It sounds good, but then I remember like being at that pause and being like, "Man, this this is kind of silly." Yeah. And then it's like it was so young to be silly. Like I don't know, I was young. I was twenty two. Well, they just played Sound and Fury, right? This is the testament to this record is that they can still, you know, there's not many bands that could come back and newer people know know their music. No, they, totally. It's like they, it's like a, it's like a carry-on, right? It's I, like the I record will, the record speaks for itself, but the band like I, I they're will, not a thing right after it. I will say no cuz I think it was uh last year or maybe 2 years ago where they they were on that Life and Death tour and it was they were headlining. And no, but, but the but, but Vogel Vogel does that. He like makes he makes well, other bands headlines. So no, they no, no. I don't blow the I don't fuck think, out of people. I don't think t- Terror wasn't on that one. Uh, it was it was like no warning. I uh, when they, when it came to Gilman, it was Terror then no warning. Okay, I don't I don't remember if they were on the whole lineup. Well, maybe maybe Terror was on it. Whatever. But I think that they should have came back a little earlier than that because I remember their first show back was in New Jersey that this venue called Game Changer. And one, the one gnarly was crazy. But you were I on think this it, whole tour? 
I wasn't on that tour, but I, yo, if they would have came back like, like oh eight, maybe oh eight to oh to two thousand ten, like it would have been oh. fucking crazy. So they like, but whatever, like. Well, they know. did those two shows with lights out. Remember, they did. Uh, yeah, that was LA in LA. And- yeah. And, and a cor- Gilman, of course, oh, no, those shows, yeah, Oakland. yeah, of course, those Oakland. shows are gonna be fucking insane, yeah. right? But I like they went and did like a tour. They were actually on a tour, yeah. And I'm sure every show was like sick. But if they would have done it a couple years earlier, like it would have been bonkers, like every night. So because well, I saw I saw some videos where there was like legitimate horseshoe sometimes. So yeah. which is kind of like. It's funny when you see. It always starts because one person goes fucking apeshit for no. the intro, and then yeah, but you just describe their music as the genre you're yeah. moshing. No, yeah. but what's funny is when you see pre two thousand eight that just have that like no matter what they do, the show is gonna be so fucking crazy, you know. And yeah. then like you'll see them, it's like oh shit, it was two thousand seventeen, and like. It's kind of like lackluster, so I think it like takes away some of the you know, I don't know, bravado of all of it. But not throwing any type of shade or talking to anything. No, I, no, no one can argue with yeah. the record. The record no, is like you put not. it on, it's good. Yeah. yeah. No, and like like I said, it it made it it gave like a lot of like younger kids like like okay, you want to write just like fun, fast, bouncy, hardcore that hits all the bases and it's just like fun not to you know we're not going to go into some super deep emotional state like like you said like you're a mosh and like we're just going to have a good time well, what he does really effectively ben cook the singer is he he uses his voice as an instrument as well to they have a lot of ring out and like mm-hmm. you know that kind of stuff and the way he ends lines with just a rah or whatever, like just mm-hmm. percussively with his voice, it really makes it like perfect, you know, like or a ooh. Like yeah. I mean the ooh is like that's fucking copied all over hardcore left, right, and center now. But because people don't was... listen to outspoken enough and get the come on. <laughs> but yeah, but that, that was... outspoken one's the best of the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Hey, we, no, no, no. The best is that's the best, dude. The best ever is the Zach De La Roca. Oh yeah. Well, okay, okay, <laughs> but it's a it's a cool swagger. That fucking outspoken. Yeah. Hey, yeah. I, I I mean, I remember. I forgot what tour we were on. It was either 2011, 2012. Where I'm not gonna kid you, like a local opener. I think we might have had like five or six local openers fucking cover short fuse. So you know, like I'm. <laughs> Like okay. there's no denying it, yeah. it, no denying its place. Yeah, and those local not, openers not the twenty five like, to life short fuse. This short fuse. <laughs> the local openers are like, well, we got to get, we got to play one song. Hey, that'll make people move it. Hey, so let's do a no warning this, cover. Just, no this will this, this will warm your heart, right? Like, like a ROC played LA. It's like kind of like backyard rager. Mm. And this one band shout out this one band called Lockdown. Mm-hmm. So they open the show and like. Um, you see, like, I saw their logo, and it's, like, locked down, and just, like, your total, like, cool New York graffiti script, right? Yeah. And there's, um, like, some bald dude with a fucking bat and a chain. And I go there, and it's, like, just, like, chill, like, mm-hmm. like just short kids 
just like just just kids, man. You know, like Lock, they were kids. They were they were just like kid, like super young. I don't think like kids, kids, but yeah, young, like fifteen, sixteen. Yeah, like yeah. definitely like teenagers. And it's it's so funny because if you looked at them like nowadays, it's it's kind of hard. You go to a hardcore show, it's like oh man, these kids could be listening to like Mac DeMarco. They all kind of have like this just this internet type look. So I'm seeing these like young kids. <laughs> and it's fucking okay. The new internet type look of They're 2019. All ones and zeros. Yeah. I've but I so the drummer, you know, he's got like binary code joke. Like he's got a fucking 25 to life shirt like yes. tucked in to like Dickies, you know, yes. and just like regular like van shoes. So like it's coming like. You know, and they were sick too. We like, gotta have them were, do a split cool. with tsunami. You should. Well, I was talking to Joseph from Tsunami when he was taking me to the airport. We were talking about the most ignorant bands of all time have stomach rocker t shirts as their merch. <laughs> they <do>. oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, editing so where the logo is just across so the stomach good. of the shirt. So it's, it's bad. So <laughs> it's coming. Twenty yeah, like the it, but it will it will be like a safer a hipsterized version of 25 to life. So I don't know if you really, if you really want it that way. Like a little bit of that wild style. It'll be like a ironically liking 25 to life, which I know for you, there's, there's no fucking ironically liking it at all. No, the, uh, the keeping a real record and uh strength of unity are fucking amazing. Uh, and like, I think if people listen to them, they would know that there was a, there was a great band for a second. Dude, when they played the San Diego showcase, what, that was after the, that would have been, it's like after Strength of Unity, but before the LP came out, their drummer was so fucking good. There was like ten people just watching the drummer. Like they they were a legit ass band, dude. People don't remember. I've, I've, I was there. <laughs> I know, like, <laughs> but I just feel like I have to I have to argue for them. Like I have to argue for Ignite. Like people, it's like it's impossible to like yeah, for they, people to they, remember. Like they, they were a real ate their own tail, like destroy their own legacy. Yeah, because like they yeah they had a psychopath. that was a singer, right? But it's like. There was a legitimate like heavy metal band backing them that was like on the level that was playing the hey, strip when, down. When the verse kicks in for Wise to the Game, he's like, If you're not like bouncing your head immediately with like the most ultimate stink face, like, yeah, this one's for you guys because you guys knows what's up. Every single pod we get back to fucking hey, break to life. What hey, the fuck? Like I know if, we gotta talk about bulldoze. If I see a fucking band doing that right now, or like, yo, we're, what, yo, what up? Like, we're gonna sound our demo sounds like twenty five to life. It's like, yeah, but you like your fucking drummer plays in a shoegaze band. Your your guitar yeah. player yeah. is in like a, shout out shoegaze. Yeah, like a a nineties all. <laughs> rock worship band yeah. it's like you're not really this you're doing it for irony so, so it, it pisses me off you because know. like say what you want about them like the boot the whatever <laughs> can you do that <laughs> yeah you Why can't the game vocal again please <laughs> <laughs> no my first one was better yeah but, says, when he goes like we <laughs> <laughs> we fell victim to your lies once oh. before we fell victim to your lies it's just it's crazy. Wise to the game. 
Now he's wise to the game, so dude. Sick. He is he, wise to the game because yeah. he took a fucking CD of his own band, and when the rest of the band didn't show up, he's <laughs> he fucking made the house sound play yeah. it, it's sang like, to it, so he got his guarantee. If, if you're <laughs> if if you, if your band sounds like Twenty Five to Life, like I want like at least like so, at least say if it's a five piece, three of the members need to not be able to leave the state like a couple <laughs> the, probation the bass better have six to seven strings yeah like that shit like the dude is yeah like, i mean you gotta so, be coming out with that quinceanera ibanez bass yeah, yeah absolutely like oh and you're not playing with a fucking pick like yeah. you're playing with your fingers like Speaking that's of how i want this what about that video of Rick to Life in the backyard yeah. with the kids sat on a stool because he can't stand up and play guitar. Dude, I'm I'm vouching, first off, only musically, <laughs> from Strength to Unity back. I don't even get down with the first LP because sonically it fell off. Welcome to Back to Basics, <laughs> the podcast, <laughs> volume nine, that this, we talked about Rick to Life gonna, every fucking podcast. We're going to switch the name to Inside Knowledge. Wise <laughs> uh, to the pod. I still think the most, it, the example of his vocal delivery and just complete fucking insanity mode is, is positive hardcore go. <laughs> Yeah, which, well, I got him on here somewhere. We, which dude, record are we talking about? I never about? showed you. I, I programmed all the fucking buttons, dude. These what? sounds? I just can't remember what they are, but he's on one okay, of these. Watch. Oh, not that one. <laughs> How long have you have you had this the entire time we've been doing the blue one? Are you, What's the blue one? That's me. <laughs> I got no, Daniel no, here no, somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, you did it. Don't, don't, don't hit this one. This one's the outro. This is the only one that's long, and there's no way to make it stop. What's that blue one? This one? Yeah. Is that when we talk about something sad? <laughs> no, that's the more you know. That oh, shit. okay. <laughs> Oops. Oh, that's sad. I thought I had... Yeah! <laughs> got that, too. That's sad. <laughs> Anyway, okay. okay uh, do we want to talk more about No Warning? No, I, I, I mean, just check it out. If you, if a lot of people, a lot of my friends are turned off by the way members of No Warning kind of acted. That snotty, like we're too good for you type vibe, mm-hmm. and have just discounted the record, never like really given it a chance because of that. And I just say, if you want a fucking blistering, amazing 2000-era hardcore, gotta check this out. It sounds great. Sounds great. But the production's amazing. Daniel, let's talk about one that goes right along there. You and me both have it. Um, death Threat, Peace, and Security. Another great, hard, hardcore record in the 2000s. This one comes out in the year 2000. And uh, what was the label that put it out on CD? Like Triple Crown? I think it come so. out on Triple yeah. Crown, and then like B9 did like the vinyl like a year later. Something like that. This record fucking rips, dude. It's like... B9 did the CD and record later. Oh, they did? I think. Okay. I think they maybe were given gotcha. it by Aaron or whatever. Okay. But this record is rad. 
so good, so different from so referential of things that we've talked about over the last two pods, but so unto its own. Like this is a also a record that is you know when you when you talk about things being kind of like a an acquired taste. Like you you hear it the first time and it it you don't plug in immediately like I love this. It well, is, I was on board since the demo, so that's not true. But you know what I mean. Yeah, it, there, I, you it, know what I mean about Death Threat in general. The way that Aaron approaches. If, if you want, if you wanted to pick it apart, you could, but you'd be an idiot. But, but it's what makes it you'd be so special. Yeah, because he's like the one guy that can get away with it. Yeah, right. Like if you wanted to, you could like guess all the rhymes, you know. But it's like the fact that he goes there is what makes it so fucking rad. But he also sings with three different voices, which makes it perfect. Do you know on the same song? Yeah, well, I mean, if you want to talk swagger, I mean, this dude's got it. He yeah. basically, like, he started in a band that sounded exactly like Hatebreed. The demo sounds exactly like Hatebreed. And he's fucking doing talk vocals. It's like, how do you strip out the fucking... But he's doing the, the thing without me, as well as... <laughs> you, you know, and then he's doing the, the and then you the, always end like this. Yes. Oh, he's when he hits those little notes, yeah. yeah when the, he hits those notes, that's my. I love that shit. And yeah, I mean, this the musically, it's Connecticut in a in a handbasket. Do you know what I mean? It's like, but yeah, but weirdly, like if you. Are speaking to someone like from Connecticut or something like Death Threat's the old school sounding band, yeah. <laughs> but they to like us because well, they were like, they were, well, yeah. I mean, because they, they had fast. fast parts, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? But they sound like a heavy follow through, dude. The, well, and then Hatebreed every time they go. Well, the demo had like three dudes from Hatebreed, yeah, on it. You know, I mean, including probably the same drum set because they have the same piccolo snare sound. Because I, I love I love the songs I love the way they're written but really without Aaron Knuckles this is you know a good hardcore record but with him it's insanely well yeah you can't take it away because he he's the one that makes it catchy yeah and so like that and it, different and weird and strange and but that's, naive but that's the Im- almost but that's the naive Im- but that's the impossible style is yeah. like. To do something like heavy and hard and make it catchy, yeah. only the greatest can, you know, like the Mad Balls, the Hate Breeze, the Vogels, like, you know, to make something so heavy and no, he's, catchy. As far as as far as hardcore vocals go, vocalists go, he's fucking absolutely up there. Just with almost, his total own style. Yeah, there's nothing like he's not emulating anything. He's not even no. yell. He's not even fucking yelling, dude. Like what the fuck? He's just doing it. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's just doing it. Yeah, I don't know. I just. Just if just an important hardcore band, you know. I, I mean, I don't know if I have to be like, if I have to show kids like, okay, you you show them all your '80s stuff and your '90s stuff. Like this is absolutely like essential, you know. And I I still think too. Uh, I mean, both of you guys said it way better than I can, but just uh, just the vocal delivery and just like you said, being able to bring it. Um, that element of catchiness, like you take scary Connecticut hardcore, you know, which if you want to just, if you still see shows in Connecticut, I mean, they're fucking crazy, right? And apparently he was 
uh, Nari. I mean, his last dude. name is. Yeah, <laughs> you don't, you don't end up with a name, name like Knuckles <laughs> without doing some. Yeah, but there's but like the most unity. Yeah, dude absolutely. Ever. There's this, and that's why I think there's such an important hardcore band because he he fucking feels that, and it comes off immediately. Do you remember it was like '06 or '07? I don't remember if it was in a zine or if it was somewhere on the internet, and he wrote like a open letter to like yeah, the scene or did. something. The fuck was that? I can't remember. It was so it was, rad. It was an open letter, and it, it was, was so sincere and so yeah, rad. It was just like this is why I fucking love this. This yes. is why you should love this, and like this is why you need to do things. Like, yeah. Put on a fucking show. Find a place. Like bands need to say that shit. There always needs to be some sort of band that's driving that fucking message home. Yeah, it was like a. I don't know. It it wasn't who you would expect to like put himself out there and come no. with that message, and that's what made it so rad. Like, this band's a fucking shit. Yeah, and I I I, I write for the whole catalog. Uh, like, totally. well, what? the the next record. Who else would get away with four, five, six, seven lights? Yeah, like yeah. holy shit. Well, even like the the Lost of Sea EP is fucking great. That is a good like, one too. You know, like the whole thing is great because it can't not be. Do you know when you haven't seen someone in quite a while and you feel weird, like saying hi to them again, like after n- not seeing them? Sure. When Death Rep played Gilman not that long ago, I was just like, "Hey, Aaron, what's up?" You know, like mm-hmm. I haven't seen you in ages. Like, or, or maybe I saw him at United Blood, and then, but he's just like, "Yo, you want to come up and do a song?" Like, he's that's just says it in a nutshell. Like, yeah. Like, and I was like, "Fuck no, I'm too scared <laughs> to do that." But, um. That's the kind of person it comes through with the lyrics. The, you know, that's why I, I just said it earlier as we were like all kind of piling on and stuff. But I think what makes this band so real and so legitimate and so of hardcore through every essence of the DNA is the naivety. Like, we're not trying to prove anything. It's like, this no, is us. Yeah, there's zero fucking us. fronting with this. Yeah. What's and then what's the uh like life is not like a race track. Yeah. It's, it's not it, always the fleet. His like yeah. just like I like I feel like like yeah. like a preacher like he's like I'm hearing a fucking sermon well, it's from like, a guy that's gone through a lot of gnarly shit. Life's a gamble. It's all yeah. you roll. Yeah. Like, dude, I could never Still write that lyric because people would just be like, "What the fuck, dude?" Yeah. Like, but he can do it. He can do it and pull it off. Well, because but this he's is got he, the pencil thin beard. I mean, you, if you're talking about, I have that in 2002. So what's up, <laughs> E Town? Um, I think that Daniel, you do a good job sometimes about talking about like the pre and post terror world, and this is like a band that like kind of benefited from that too. Because it was like, and maybe this is like right before the terror thing as well. It is before terror. Oh yeah. Well, no, this I know this I know this yeah. album's too. I don't remember how much later it got released by B Nine because I I know no, it was it, it was on uh, OMDB's first tour with Bane, which was end of two thousand, early two thousand one, and I had this record on that tour on B Nine. Yeah. Okay, because I remember I saw him like before B Nine because I was doing that B Nine and after and, yeah and. And like they they blew up after the B nine thing because it was like okay oh, for it's okay kids to like this hard shit exactly now. because there was such a divide between the hard shit and the, the shit that wasn't hard. The thing is with terror, uh, not terror. Sorry, the thing is with death threat. What you know that that weird 
like kid who doesn't you know he's comes to certain shows but he's like he moshes fucking hard as shit but you he doesn't have any friends at the show and he's a weird like he's a death threat fan sure do you know what i mean like he he that's who death threat speaks to like with the plain lyrics of like all the pain you caused me like it's like yeah it's that thing where people feel it i just think that like that's it's so interesting when you talk about the pre and post terror hardcore world the fact of like Death Threat not being massively popular until B9 like signed off on it. Well, part it's of fucking it is, weird, is dude. vocal co-signing Death no, Threat well, I mean, to get them like f- that's part of the reason I just Death know I, I, approved. I, just, I just know I saw him in Ventura in like before that happened and there was 20 people and I see him like a year later and there's like 200 people. Yeah, but then you can still see him in like 2012 and there can be 20 people again and then you can see him in 2014 there can be 200 people it wasn't yeah, about that dude weird. it wasn't about that no, but i'm saying they, like blew, death- they blew the fuck up on this record oh without doubt yeah absolutely and they blew up doubt. on this record after it was like the b9 re-release of the vinyl well i think where they really blew up was a split seven inch they did with the- <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, it, i mean good record if 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 anybody's listening to this and hasn't heard Peace and Security by Death Threat, like I implore you to really listen to this record because it's unlike anything, but it's like so many things. That's the beauty of of what it is. It's it's definitely its own thing. This band is their own band. They have their own delivery, but you can find something in it like that you'll absolutely love. I love every single thing about it personally. Yeah, you could say. Dead at Birth might be one of the best hardcore songs of all fucking best, time. One of the for best sure. opening tracks, yeah. too. And for sure. just talking about the way his vocals are, because it's like, Dead at Birth, as we slowly remain. And then his next line, he flips to... It's like Biggie doing the... Uh, um, oh, and Give Me the Loot. The, yeah, yeah, Give Me the, the Loot. He yeah. does the two voices almost. It's yeah. like, like Aaron Knuckles is kind of like that. Yeah. Like, his secondary, like swagger voice like that comes after the heart it just makes it so perfect and it's why the people who like the one word death threat cannot even compute it like they they it's what makes them hate it more than anything but just because they're being ignorant because it's (laughs) fucking great no it's because they're just scared yeah they're just scared yeah that's why they have a butt flap for protection that's what (laughs) all right knuckles doesn't need a butt flap yeah, your number, whichever one you want to talk your about two. next for Greg. Oh man, um, how far do I want to jump around in this decade? Oh, let's go right in the let's go right in the middle. Actually, let's go a couple years where pretty much all your guys's picks have ended. <laughs> let's go to two thousand six. Let's go to Iron Age, Constant Struggle. So I'm going to say this this record is important because it influences it influences me and I think it influences a lot of hardcore bands where I mean look there are just just abs- there's just heavy metal riffs on this like th- these this isn't like crossover thrash territory like there are there's just like actual you know you know like 
British heavy metal like riffs on this thing. Yeah, it's straight up stoner metal. So, light, but with with a hardcore light. <laughs> but it's mid tempo, right? No, it's yeah. not like stonery. No, I want to call. They don't it, go no, slow. When I say stoner, I mean like Black Sabbathy, not like straight up like sleep or whatever. You know. Um, they but, they keep it like no it's it's still fast and I mean Greg knows this way more than yeah. me oh, Greg I'll, will, I'll, I'll, Greg will explain how they sound very well yeah I'll but out but I will just say the one thing dudes from this band were in that you know far Texas, from breaking far from breaking yeah. so instantly I was like fucking sellouts I'm not giving this a chance and although that the guy even the, so. But 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 I'm saying like that's my ignorance. Like, well, to an extent, it's my ignorance. Like, you know, sometimes fuck a sellout. No, period. yeah, but that, that guy was like a he was a super cool straight edge dude. Like, of course, no, like he. I mean, he wasn't like if he was older than us, he would have bought us beer. You know what I mean? Like, he was that cool straight edge guy. Oh, yeah. You know, like all right, well, I'm 23 and straight edge. You guys are I'm 19, far but I'll, I'll from buy you beer. Breaking. How far? I don't know. I just I always have good memories of that guy. Like no, I think we, I think we like broke into a pool together. We were on tour because we played with Far From Breaking a same. bunch. That's the control time. We went swimming with them too. And I, I just am saying my own thing is that I don't know this record very well because I, ignorantly or not, was just like, ugh. I was just stoked because like I really really liked all the guys in that band, and Far From Breaking was not a good band. Yeah. And it was like, and now they're in a fucking sick band. Like, so they, it was constant struggles. Great, yeah. So, and I would say this is right when, um, you know, like you can you can kind of pretty much find out any type of type of like shit that you need to as far as like music goes. Like, you can just go to Google. You know, blogs are popping off, so everyone is looking outside checking out different types of influences but no like the i mean these dudes are just riffers like i i do not know the guitarist's names but it's, it's like i just tell like these these are just guitar dudes these are just riff guys you know and so when i hear this record it's it's weird um like the drums and the bass tone have really remind me of those of here tomorrow like it's I don't know like the way the snare sounds I don't know if that was maybe like a reference that they were using when they when they mix this in. Well, it's just um, such a smart it's a smart record and it is it seems like it would be so easy to explain what it sounds like, but it's impossible. No, like people at the time were like, oh, it sounds like Kill 'Em All and shit, and it's like yeah, it's, there's a piece of it that's like that, but it's not as metal. Yeah, you and got it's like more mid tempo. Like mid tempo drivey. Yeah, it's 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 definitely like in the mid tempo drivey, but there's still enough of the hardcore, you know. Yeah, it's it's is a brilliant record. Yeah, no, it's 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 great. It's and again, su- like super unique. And this this comes out kind of before everyone can become an expert on every possible fucking music genre ever, and you don't have to go through weird growing pains or whatever. So I think. This record came out and it definitely influenced a lot of like guitar players and hardcore to be like, well, no, I can I can give this a shot or I can try to you know hit this hit this record like I could try to you know okay maybe I'm gonna fucking throw a lead in here or maybe I'm gonna try to you know learn learn a couple licks yeah. so but it wasn't too like insanely technical where you can't play it but it just had like that perfect like and then you have just these like 
just classic heavy metal sounding riffs on there. Evil Ways is like the perfect example of of that one. Where if you if you hear the like if you if you if you just heard the riffs first before it kicking in, like I'm expecting like kind of like Halford to come in on the vocals, but you know, and then it's just like his delivery comes in and it still it still has like two thousands hardcore edge to it, I suppose. But yeah, it, I think it's it definitely influences like a lot of the more riffier shit and hardcore, you know, may, maybe I'm off, you know, off base here. And, and maybe the guys in the band would just would disagree with this, but it's just like, this comes out and then you get like, uh, like you get violation that comes out after. Well, do you think the bitter that. end comes without this? Oh, well, I remember this bitter, end bitter, end come, crew. bitter. Like, yeah. Bitter I know that's what I'm saying. They recorded because, the same. Cause you had all the Houston bands that were already yeah. like heavy and shit. Like Will to Live, Pride Kills, that so is Mashi. Yeah, but these guys are more like San Antonio. No, yeah, the, just well, B- Bitter End is San Antonio style, and but but I, I mean Bitter End and Iron Age don't sound the same to me at all. No, but it's still bringing is coming in with like a more metal tinge. True, and, and it's not it's not a full step away. Yeah, yeah but I would say Bitter End are hearing Madball and No Warning and going from there. Well, no, I, I would say no. Bitter End is like they're listening to like. You're you're starting to hear Sepultura stuff like KSAD. You're hearing like Biohazard. Like, yeah. you're, you're hearing like more of that sound. Where I think Iron Age definitely gave opened up like an avenue for other kids to start like going into more, you know, heavy metal territory. Then maybe it's just the end of regional hardcore at that point, right? Mm, well, I mean, I thought this was when I heard. I was like, wow, this is like unique. For for them, so I associate it with like a Texas. But we're not. But we're not saying that like they're starting to sound that's like influencing other things around them. Like if you're saying bitter end is fully pulling from. Well, New I'm, York I'm not. I, I'm saying. <clears throat> I'm saying that bitter end, to me, you know, sounds more along those records that I just mentioned compared I would to agree. this. Yeah. But I would agree. But I, I but they're also influenced by this. Yeah, we, you, you don't know, get a. I mean, like and these dudes will probably say it too. You won't get a power trip without an Iron Age. Without a shout, you know. Sure. So, uh, your scene still matters, even yeah. though there's no regional hardcore as far as yeah. sounds like developing. So I guess. yeah, so these and like I started to hear it like the more, just they kind of like put it out. They they opened up an avenue to you know. For I guess maybe guys in guitar like playing guitar and hardcore could be like, no, I want to try. I want to try to like up the chop game a little bit. They they set a bar and you you could hit it. And now it's you know bands have gone either past it or have explored. But I I think this was a real like pivot like a game changer in like right in the mid two thousands because you're still getting like what's what's so popular. I mean right at that time I'd say like have heart. First, sync like a lot. Well, of, it's like it's like the first uh, Sound of Fury bands, right? Yeah. So it's first, like the ceremonies. Yeah, yeah. like that's you. You get blow. that stuff, and then you have like Iron Age playing, you know, like this metal tinge, but not on the you know ridiculous heavy spectrum. We're talking like yeah, you know, heavy metal tinged hardcore. Not even on um, like no, it's it's um, like it's a heavy metal sound. It's not a it's yeah. not a brutal sound. Exactly. So definitely definitely opened up a lot of ears to to checking out other types of influences for for people playing music and hardcore. No one listened to Kill 'Em All before uh, 
the constant struggle. It turned a lot of kids on to kill them all. <laughs> it was just, I mean, like. No, yeah, I'm just playing. You, I think that. No, it's true. I, lo- I love that you, you talk about this as like the, it's setting the, the bar high for guitar. Because I think it, I think that's it, cool. it showed kids and bands that it's like that you could also do it as yeah. well. Because it's like, I even remember going like, okay, like I li- I love all this. Thr- I mean, we had PC Death Squad, Daniel's mm. favorite band. So, yeah. you know, I'm already jumping into like thrash metal stuff and mm. I already like that stuff. But still some of that is like, oh, I don't know if I can go like that f- that far well, then you can think about leeway you know you yeah, go backtrack exactly. and hear leeway or you go what this was an interesting take at a certain time you know um that it was filling a void that wasn't you exactly. know there yet you know they don't ever go to the straight fast beat on this album though it's all like what would you consider do that, let do that, let do that, let do that. No, it never, it never gets that. The fast, is, it's just like get, get, exactly, like yeah, it's yeah. straight, yeah. So more of the like gallopy type beat, right? So. No, little def- maidenish. Yeah, de- no, it's de- definitely, just, yeah, definitely, like new wave. Yeah, definitely. New wave said bridge it, no beat. De- yeah, go past that. Definitely get, opened up an avenue for a lot of bands to explore when it came to you know upping up the riff game. So, what do you think about the artwork? I've, I, I love I the fucking LP love cover. it. I remember when I got it, it was, felt just just super professional too. Their logo, like yeah, that awesome. was crafted really well. Like, cool. Always had a good look to everything, yeah. you know. No, and it's like and their merch exploded. When I when I flip the back of that record, like I'm expecting to just see some like total like Hessian fucking like gnarly like burly long haired dudes, but it's just like you can still tell it's like. Like, but you can still see the Texas you, and the brims yeah, of their hats. And yeah, stuff. and you can also <laughs> tell it's like du- straight edge dudes that have now broke edge and are now like listening to tons of fucking Sabbath and like just riffing in their rooms. So Jason was more natural in this habitat too. You know, I think he he transitioned to the dirty headband pretty well. Um, all right, I will go. I am going striking distance march march to your grave. Uh, it's their LP, 2001. It's cool because it's like an LP sandwiched by two 7-inches. This LP is awesome. And, uh, yeah, I mean, you sum it up in, in two words, right? Fucking hated. I mean, that's a track. That's a fucking track. And a weird track, too, because it's like, it's the greatest verse, chorus, verse, chorus. And then it goes to that weird slowdown breakdown that gets all, like, gallopy. And the best thing is, if there's anyone who is not fucking hated, who is loved by everyone he's come, you know, within our world. Yeah, well, we know him when he's yeah. in this element. Like, how do you think he feels at work? No, that's what I'm saying. You know? In our world, yeah, he's yeah, yeah. the opposite of fucking hated. But. I think that that's like, that song's like an example of of feeling like an outcast in real society, right? And, yeah. and actually being, and was, being at home, you at know. The, at the time, we're, we're just, you know, becoming adults, I suppose. And sure. at, at this time... You know, he's 10 years, 12 years on from us, and he's smashing against society in his everyday life, you know? 
he he's he's real. You know? The realist. Yeah. <laughs> Dave Bird is a shit. And this LP totally holds up. I talked uh, a little bit when we talked about the 7-inch that this is slowed down a little bit. And, he, you know, he says that I, I think he was not there the day they tracked drums and totally got bummed. Like, oops. It's a little slower than he sound. And I can relate to that. Like, there's a song on, like, the first Retaliate record that, like, they did the breakdown too slow. And I'm like, you motherfuckers. On Infamy? That, yeah, yeah. It's slow. What would rate to life say? <laughs> I can't remember what button. Not that one. The more you know. <laughs> um, Shit. But yeah, I just, I love this record. It's like, I really great, love it straightforward, too. hardcore, no gimmicks. Just like, I don't know. I it, r- really love it too, but I find when, you know, once in a while when I'm like, oh, I want to want to listen to striking distance i'm usually pulling out the you know the fuses lit or or whatnot like seven inches more just yeah. because i just hate seven I inches think, now yeah well, so that's true i mean that's like basically all it boils down to although i think that there is an lp press of the last seven inch right didn't they do something where it's like the whole seven inches on one side maybe it's like live tracks on the other side I, I, maybe like reflections put that out or something so, sounds Euro-ish. Sounds <laughs> Euro-ish. With, yeah. with the bonus live set that no one wanted to hear. Yeah, yeah, for real. <laughs> you, you know? Gotta, you got to fill them up. You gotta well, go well, I mean, their whole, their whole Mandel, fucking... Like, we got to do an ONDB <laughs> thing, and I've got, like, li- our first time playing CBs, and I've got also live tracks from uh thing, and it's like, yeah, everyone wants to You know that's my biggest hardcore regret, right, is not getting the CB soundboard when we played there? Like, Or they, you could just set that up. Like we you, just had the tapes of the sound guy. Bullshit! You had to pay seventy five bucks or something. Oh. Yeah, you did. because oh. that's why I didn't. It was like fifty or seventy five bucks, and we were so used to the living room just doing it for free with a tape. We, I'm not joking. We got it free, but well, what Rich, Rich Hall did our show. Rich Hall also did our show. Well, you got wow. hustled, but it, he wasn't doing the sound. I don't know. No, no, he wasn't doing the sound. What, well, what year were you? We would have been two thousand one. We were oh three, so time. maybe they changed it by then. Okay. Um, yeah, because we played there. <laughs> Dude, you, I mean, you guys both know, like, we were two weeks in tour, so that's the greatest year we're going to sound. Like, you're, yeah, you're, you're dialed not, in. You're dialed in, but you're not burnt out yet. Mm-hmm. Playing CBGBs the first time, it was American Nightmare, Most Precious Blood, and Us, I think. It was fucking sick. We opened to probably, like, mostly empty house, like, 70 people, but I don't give a fuck. That was, like, some of the... Best we ever sounded. I kissed the stage and people were like, oh, fucking disgusting. But I was like, fuck, this place. Dude, I wish I had the recording because that was like legitimately, that was our best lineup and that was the tightest we ever sounded. I mean, not our best. Our best lineup is like the final year when we were a five piece. But as far as like I don't know, an I, active band. I like the character of the four piece. Like, yeah, and, but we couldn't play the pussy songs and the pussy songs are what make in control. You know? Well, you gotta play the pussy songs. So, and leads don't sound the same without two. What? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> you guys are gonna learn like the color coding before I do. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, um, back to <laughs> back to strikenesses. Yeah. A, a band that had no pussy songs. Um, they're the shit. The LP totally delivers, dude. That's it. I just want. It's like. Fast, straightforward, hardcore. It's still catchy, still aggressive, and Dave Bird's a fucking realist. 
And that's what I want in hardcore. I don't want some fucking kid posing, you know, that's like taking a fucking summer vacation in my favorite style of music. Like, I want the real fucking dude, and I want to be able to, like, get behind the front man, you know? And I do. And he's a wild one. And he's a, he's, I don't know, whatever. That's all I got to say about this. So you, you played with him at, at that precursor show to United Blood, where he jumped off the stage and, like, fucked himself up. Oh, yeah, we had, no, we, like, hopped on. Um, yeah, after it was the, the Alley yeah. Cats. Yeah. Whatever. It no, was the day no, before United Strang- Blood. It was right? that Strange Matter. Oh, Strange Matter, yeah. Yeah, and then didn't... That's the name of a club? Yeah, I think That's it... That's a sick club name. closed down, but... No, and then Bar Fight played, like, a surprise... Was it a surprise set? Yeah. But didn't... He drummed for Bar Fight, right? Yeah, but I think Striking Distance must have played a couple of songs. No, yeah, he, they, yeah, they right. did a couple songs, too. Yeah. No, because, well, Count Me Out was playing, and then it kind of became, like, a, everyone come just up like, and just, like, <laughs> do... No, so I remember watching... Yeah, they went up, jammed some songs. Uh, I was just stoked to, to see Bar Fight play, just like experience it in the back. Just Pandemonium! Yeah. Well, that's the other thing is like, they were straightforward, but they push the boundaries a tad bit because, what was the guitarist's name? Mike Stinky? Is that his name? He was actually a really good guitarist. Yeah. And like did a lot and of Eddie like... was a great drummer too. Great I mean, their, their whole band was really good, but... The guitarist did a lot of like weird little things. Yeah, no, I yeah. remember, he, like you just said, like just just a little bit of touches there and there, so it never takes away from like yeah. the straightforwardness of it, but just enough to where it just makes it way more distinct. Yeah, just yeah, just a little bit of a little bit of sizzle, you know. <laughs> no, that's the best way to describe it. Daniel Sizzler. <laughs> um, why don't you parlay that into the next one from the same area, dude? Daniel, on your list. Okay. Um, these may be the ones I come back to the most mm-hmm. when I am like wanting to listen to this era hardcore. These are the two records that I probably put on the most is Count Me Out 110 and Count Me Out Permanent. So 110 came out in 2000 and Permanent came out in 2002. And we had a really brethren, you know, thing. We toured with them a couple times and, but I still, to this day, I will come back to those records. They're fucking perfect. They are chain of strengths. Hey guys, uh, that shit went long as fuck. So, uh, tune in next time we get into count me out and we get into the rest of the best, uh, hardcore LPs from the two thousands. Stay tuned for that, and uh, thank you for all the support. Much appreciated.